0: Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan. It is a Flames game day as Calgary gets set to start a four-game road trip with a matchup against the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Welcome, everyone, to Hockey Central at Noon. I'm Peter Klein, an abbreviated edition of everything today. So we have Will Nault joining the program as well. It is your regular Friday. Otherwise, with Eric Francis, Uh, we have Peter Labardius in a matter of moments. But Mr. Nault, how are you today, sir? Good, Klein, What's going on in your world, my friend? Just uh, enjoying some March Madness, seeing right away how even just a little bit of research might have helped the, the brackets a little bit. Yeah, I shouldn't uh, have picked Drexel. Uh,
2: that, was, uh, that was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> my bad.
1: <laughs> Look, man, uh, eventually a uh, 16 seed. I mean, we already have one, so the, the floodgate should open for 16 seeds. So we'll, we'll was see. that the last time maybe the
2: tournament was held, or was that in 2018? I can't remember. I think it was two years ago. I don't
1: think it was last year, but it, it well, they all didn't have a tournament uh, last year. Right. So it was the last. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I there. meant I meant two. I meant two tournaments ago. Sorry. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, hey, still a half a basketball to go with uh, with Drexel and, and Illinois. But yes, the, the madness taking over a lot of people today. But a lot of the focus here is on the Flames and the Leafs. With that in mind, let's chat with our Flames Insider.
3: Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit geminigroup.ca.
2: We can't play like that. And I mean, when you're playing against a team that has that kind of skill and players like that, I mean, you don't want to have or let them have that many touches. we got to stay out of the penalty box. And I mean, you can't be losing games like that. And we know that. So, I mean... That's, uh, that's the message. We've got to learn from that. And, I mean, it's, uh, we get to come back in and play another good team here tonight. So it's, uh, it's going to be a challenge and one that we're looking forward to. Uh,
1: Mr. Labardius, it certainly seems that the, the messaging is clear for the Calgary Flames going into a matchup with the first-place Leafs tonight. It is. And, you know,
0: can I just take a bit of a break in the program? I heard you guys talking about March Madness. I I know that, uh, you know, first and foremost, I think I'm always thought of as a hockey guy, and I get it, probably should be. Do you know what my first recollection of March Madness was? It was 1978, first year in Saskatoon, I had cable television, just to put it into proper perspective. And the championship game featured... Magic Johnson's Michigan State Spartans against Larry Bird, Carl Nix, and the rest of the Indiana State Sycamores. Nice. And the theme song and the NBC theme song going into the final game was Kenny Loggins' This Is It. So they're just, for some of our uh, older people that uh yeah that's an exciting time now back to the flames i digress guys help me with this one so i always think in sports whether it's with this team any type of sport everything coming off good games and bad games is about your response now in assessing the calgary flames through four games under Daryl Sutter would we all agree that we have seen real progress in their team game through those four games you guys both both on the same wavelength there yep yep so the next step is how do we assess certain individuals and you know i I think we've seen some terrific performances since daryl took over and in some ways i'd have to say and again um feel free to engage if you will or or not um have we not seen a lot of the same characters for the most part and kind of toss the edmonton game which we can't toss haven't we seen a lot of those guys continue to play pretty well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would
2: agree with that. Yep. You're talking about the big core pieces on this team, Pete?
0: Yeah. For for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Absolutely. So let's hear from the head coach who we heard from today in regards to this where Where does he think they're at through four games? and And I think he gives a great summary here.
2: We've been pretty good. I just think that there's been a little drop off in, in uh, some of the guys' play in terms of how how we want them to play, and, and that'll improve.
0: that That, to me, guys in a lot of ways, says it all. So you know, I heard you guys use the one clip yesterday from Daryl a lot. It's it's a work in progress. But you quickly go back to the Euler game. Um, you know, did you, was your team game good enough? No. Um, did you turn pucks over? Yes. Did you feed the Oilers' outstanding power play? Because you probably weren't as connected. You didn't have the puck as much as you'd like. You didn't spend as much time in the offensive zone as you would have liked. Didn't get to your four check outside of one period. Uh, I think those are all the trademarks of what happened. Now, in facing the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't know about you guys, but I think the challenge becomes even more difficult. Now, I know the Leafs are scuffling. You know, they have one win in their last six games. But from top to bottom, depth, high end talent, good defense solid goaltending i i still think that this team presents an incredible challenge for anybody in the north division and so yeah the message i think is pretty simple your team game and your individual game needs to be at a really really high level for tonight
1: yeah, and we will see, I think, quite quickly if they, they learn from the, the lessons from the, the matchup with the Oilers, is that's an Edmonton team with a lot of firepower, specifically in a couple of players. And this is a Leafs team that has a lot of fire sp- firepower, specifically in about four or five players. So that that message needs to have been picked up rather quickly, I would suggest.
0: Yeah, I would suggest that is absolutely the case. And again, You know, was there a bump in the road? Absolutely. Is it a work in progress? Absolutely. But um, this is a process, and they start an incredibly important four-game trip, two in Toronto, two in Ottawa. And, you know, Daryl Sutter said earlier this week as well that the one thing, and it makes a lot of sense, he wanted his team game to be at a very good level, when his team went out onto the road. And why is that? Well, you don't get to dictate matchups as much. You don't have last line change. So, depending on how the way the game is dictated and the fact that you don't control the change, to me, that makes it even more imperative that you have everybody going and you can be comfortable playing everyone against anyone else.
1: Yeah, and this is a Leafs team that will certainly test that tonight as we chat with Peter Labardius. Um, a lot of attention being focused on the the firepower question, or the firepower answer, I guess, that uh, Daryl gave the other day. And when you think of the firepower on this Flames team, you think of Johnny Gaudreau for sure. Um, how do you feel he's fitting in with Daryl over the first few games here?
0: Well, Peter, for me, the question, probably, to take it one step farther, is can Johnny Gaudreau play well under Daryl? I think that's the question. And the answer for me is absolutely 100% yes. However, the next part of it is really up to Johnny Gaudreau. So... I, I feel very strong about a player's commitment to defending, a player's commitment to playing a 200-foot game. And what does Johnny Gaudreau like the most? He likes to have the puck on his stick. That's when offensive players can be the most dangerous. But sometimes the great separator in that is yes, you like to have it. How how hard do you work in a sense to help your team as a group get it back, which limits defensive zone and allows you to play in what Daryl Sutter calls the fun zone, the offensive zone. So for Johnny Gaudreau, yes. Does he continue to need to work more diligently as all players do at things that he's not as good at. It's really important because that feeds what you are good at. And I also know that today, you know, there was a lot of talk under Daryl about a more of a dump and chase mentality to your game. So there's two things about that that I think is a bit of a misnomer. And even Sean Monahan talked about it today in the availability Daryl Sutter is not in the right situation wanting you to dump the puck when he is wanting you to dump the puck and with purpose and to right places is when you don't have the ability based on what is in front of you and how you adjust to try to beat two and three people by yourself. So the best offensive players, in the game the best teams in the game have the ability shift to shift game to game to adjust to their opponents and how the game is being played so if the Leafs and other teams have three and four guys back in the neutral zone can you go on the rush effectively no But that doesn't mean if you come out of your zone the right way, look at the winning goal against the Edmonton Oilers two games ago. The Flames come up the ice, Hannafin joins, you turn that into a rush attack, and you score the game-winning goal. So my point is, it doesn't have to be one way or another. What it has to be is individually, for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, and I'll take it to another place in the game, and that's on the power play. Well, your power play entries, not solely, and they're making some tweaks and changes, guys, would we not agree that, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, in terms of entries, is a really critical guy in regards to your power play entry?
1: Oh, yeah, he he
0: is the critical guy. So, the decisions that you make in those situations are critical in order to either carry it in, pass it in, put it in a place where you can retrieve it. Because for that number one unit, which I think has scuffled a little as of late, if you're not winning as many face-offs, then entry really becomes critical. And as Daryl Sutter will talk about tonight, on, you know, the coach's winning roadmap on Flames' warm-up, with this team, you know, that is, for that first unit right now, he confirmed to me today that entries have probably, of the three things, retrieval, winning face-offs, entries, if you look at those as the three keys on a good power play, with that unit in particular, he did agree when I asked him that, you know, entries is an area that absolutely 100% has to improve. And the other thing is, it also depends on who your opponent is. You know, and, and Will, I'll take you. Instead of just asking both of you, my mistake, um, is does your power play not do two things on a night like tonight? Does it not feed your five-on-five play? and because against Toronto you know that they're likely to have the puck a lot of the time, does that not make the potential power plays you get even more important against a team like this than it might be against, let's say, Ottawa in your next ordeal or your next set of games?
2: Yeah, I would say it does, and I I think you look at the – the ways Calgary was effective uh, earlier on this season when they played Toronto was feeding off of that power play. I know they took a bunch of penalties as well and their PK was very strong, but in that series in Toronto uh, about a month ago, it feels like that was, you know, primarily a lot of special teams play and and Calgary did a great job at that. So yeah, I would say absolutely that would feed both of those things you're talking about.
0: Now, the other interesting thing under Daryl Sutter in terms of adjustment guys so now you have two different looking power plays, and we've also seen Noah Hannafin make his way at least the other night. We'll see how it goes tonight. On to that, if you will, first group. And then the second group, the change has been in a number of cases instead of one defenseman and four forwards, they've gone to Anderson and Giordano. And three forwards. So, as Daryl also described to me today, you know, one power play, the second group, if you will, is more of a shooting volume power play. Your your first group is way more dependent on their ability to have control in the offensive zone on the power play with the puck. So the moral of the whole story, starting with Johnny, is you know, when you do it right, when you're when you're better in your own zone, you have it more. When when dangerous players spend time in the offensive zone, they can create difficult situations for their opponent. That can lead to power plays. Power plays can feed your five on five. And you know, in the case of Johnny Gaudreau, even this year. When was Johnny Gaudreau the most productive? He was the most productive earlier in the year when their power play was clicking at a more consistent level.
1: Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He's Will Naught.
2: What about the uh, the Leafs? Uh, Lou, I know you mentioned it earlier. They are, are certainly maybe a step up from the last two games of the Edmonton Oilers. And, and the, the least for a lot of people are the benchmark in this division. I think it's the same for you. What makes Toronto that benchmark? What makes them so effective? And what are some of the changes that you're seeing tonight that includes uh, Wayne Simmons being back after a lengthy absence?
0: Well, you know, the Leafs, to their credit, have made some really good changes. So, yes, Wayne Simmons off to a great start before he broke his wrist in a game um, in early February against the Vancouver Canucks. Hard to play against. um, Great on the retrieval. One of the best net front guys, I would say, five on five. And on your power play, in the league when he's at the top of his game. So that's that's a different kind of element that the Toronto Maple Leafs have not had. Well, I've talked to you, whether it's on the air or off the air, and with Peter U as well, about I just see more buy-in on the defensive side of the game from some of the Leafs' best players, beginning with Austin Matthews. And, and you know, when Toronto was in that great streak... I liken them to how the Pittsburgh Penguins played in the playoffs for two years in winning the Stanley Cup. And yes, like Toronto, all those high-end people in Pittsburgh, but I really thought one of the keys was how they used their speed and smarts to when they didn't have the puck to get it back. But the big difference is I continue to watch the Leafs and think about their roster and their additions. You focus a lot on what they do offensively, their possession game, Matthews, Marner, and that great crew. But at the forefront, guys, haven't they done an excellent job of rebuilding their defense? So you add TJ Brody, who right now looks like he's a terrific compliment for Morgan Riley Riley struggled last year didn't seem to have a good fit with his partner you know Ron Hainsey the year before was a really steady reliable and I think again somewhat like in Calgary with what Tanev has done for Hannafin you know I see the same kind of situation Morgan Riley is is feeling much better and and I give TJ Brody huge credit for that Last year, needless to say, they added Stanley Cup winner Jacob Muzzin on, on on the second pairing. If if you want to call it the second pairing, I'd rather call it into their top four. And then even though he's struggled a little bit lately, Justin Hall has has really taken another step. And then, you know, go tonight where they will play Dermott and Bagosian. Well Bagosian has been an excellent ad. I think he's been a real steadying influence for Dermott, who, you know, again, kind of the Hannafin-Tanev thing, even in that pairing, and Bogosian is solid and steady and gives you, you know, 12, 14, 15, that pairing, quality minutes. So the Leafs, as much as it's about scoring and high-end talent, I think the driving force this year that's made the Toronto Maple Leafs different his additions and how they have solidified their back end to the point where they feel pretty comfortable in a lot of scenarios to play all six of those guys.
2: And it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens as we. I know I know Klein had this earlier in our kind of our show notes for today, kind of all. Exactly what you're talking about, you know, the pieces that have come together for this team, um, they are, you know, right now on paper, the the best team in the division. They've shown that through the first, you know, 30, 31 games so far this season. And I think there's a lot of people wondering, Lou, what they do at the NHL trade deadline, if anything, because Kyle Dubas has done a great job adding some of those veteran pieces. TJ Brody, as you mentioned, there's been a, a lot of right moves made by Kyle Dubas and I wonder you know, is there one more thing missing that you would add to this group at the upcoming trade deadline to take that one step further?
0: Well, well, it's a great question, and I know a lot of the talk, and, and for good reason. Um, I don't think you can ever have enough quality veteran defensemen at playoff time, and that doesn't even mean that you need somebody that replaces um any of the six guys that I just talked about but in that long grind you know I I'd love to see the Leafs add maybe and listen the interesting thing about the Leafs and Sandine and and Lilligren and even other guys that people haven't heard of in in their system their system is in good shape I don't think people realize that if if you've watched even the Marlies this year and I've been lucky enough to watch them against Stockton three different times this year, you know, there's a lot of places that they can go. They have assets. They have, you know, lots of good players that can play defense. So that's an area. And I know, you know, look tonight, Alex Galchenyuk, who they acquired, is going to come in and play on that second group with Nylander and Tavares to start. You know, they allowed Jimmy Vesey, VC, pardon me, to get away, got claimed by Vancouver. So, well, that, that would be an area. Those are the two things for me. And, and generally, you know, when you add the right way, look at Tampa as an example. Tampa gave up a lot to get those two guys last year, they gave up firsts. The Leafs have good assets and picks. So, you know...
2: And people weren't crushing them for giving up those firsts, remember?
0: Well, they sure, absolutely, to get those two guys, Goodrow and and Blake Coleman. But Julian Brisbois assessed, coming out of the 62 win and four-game sweep at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets, that they needed a different element. And I think the Leafs have already understood based in part and maybe in big part well about the template that Tampa showed they needed to be grittier you know they needed different types of players in their lineup so with Simmons um haven't even talked about Thornton which for me Joe Thornton I don't even think needs to play a minute or get a point I think what he's meant to Austin Matthews and 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 what he brings, the enthusiasm in that room, and the buy-in that that guy gets, I don't think... That's hard to find. That's unique. So, even for him, some nights, if it's not scoring a lot of points or playing 10 or 11 minutes, I think the rub-off from that guy has been immense in terms of the culture and buy-in piece. So... That's really how I see where Toronto is and where they're still trying to get to.
1: As we wrap things up today here on our our hit with Lou on Hockey Central at noon, it is time to dip into Lou's Mailbag. Lou's Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse,
3: where prime steak is broiled to perfection and served sizzling on a 500-degree plate, ensuring each bite is as hot and delicious as the last. You deserve this.
1: You know, the drill, send in the questions to sportsnet.ca slash 960. If we ask yours, you are going away with a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Today it is Tyler with the uh, the victory. His question, Lou, uh, with the way Daryl coaches, dump and chase, what will Johnny Gaudreau have to do to find more offensive success? We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but maybe go into a bit more specifics of how Johnny can find success on the offensive side of things with Daryl. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we uh I think we did a pretty good job today trying to break that down and it's about playing all 200 feet and it's really for Johnny it's it's not as much about dump and chase, it's about how you recognize when you have rush opportunities, when you do dump the puck both 5 on 5 and on power plays where you put it in order to allow your team to continue to possess the puck and then playing his role on the offensive zone for check so that you have the puck more often. The simple part of the answer is the better you are without it and the better decisions you make with it allows you to have success. It's, it's not about dump and chase for me. It's not about, you know, either you're a rush guy or you're a dump and chase guy. Yes, Johnny is a more effective player on the rush. The next step for Johnny Gaudreau, in my humble opinion, is to sometimes make better decisions
1: when you don't have rush opportunities. So there you go, Tyler. There is the answer to your question. And soon you'll be getting a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And that is Lou's Mailbag.
3: Lou's Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Treat yourself to the primetime menu and indulge in two courses, including the mouth-watering petite filet for just $49. This is how game day is done.
1: All right, Lou, enjoy the games tonight and uh, really looking forward to chatting with you about uh, both tonight and tomorrow when we chat again on Monday. Thanks, fellas. Have a great afternoon and keep up the great work, you two.
3: Flames Insider, Peter Lubartius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: We've heard a lot about firepower over the last 24 hours or so. That conversation is going to continue as uh, Eric Francis has some thoughts on that. He will share them on Eric Francis Friday coming up next.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.
1: Getting ready for Flames Leafs today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nalt coming up at 5 o'clock today. It is the Calgary Flames taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That means a 4 o'clock warm-up here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, a lot to get to as the show rolls along. Let's keep going, though, with now Eric Francis Fridays, brought to you by Hyde Infinity. Save up to twenty-four grand on a 2020 QX80 X demo during the 2020 clear-out event Hyde Infinity, Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Mr. Francis, how are you today, sir?
4: I am well, my friend. Looking forward to a nice early game uh, for a couple nights in a row here. And, uh, yeah, life's good. Nice outside. Uh, I mean, not everything's rosy in flamesland but it, uh, it sure is nice here in Calgary.
1: <laughs> it, it seemed like things were coming up roses for a while with this Flames team, and then uh, a bit of a step back the other night. Do you view that game as just kind of a blip on the radar, or is, is this old habits dying hard with this Flames team?
4: Nah, we'll, we're about to find out. I mean, they're three and one under Sutter. Everybody knows that. And uh, you know, prior to that game, they were looking pretty good. And I got to be honest, I. I Yes, the score got out of hand, and that can happen against Connor McDavid. And you know, the the Calgary Flames, you know, in the second period had a really strong. There was a four minute push there early in the second period. Like they responded well to their after the first period being down two nothing. Like it, they weren't as bad as the score indicates. The goaltending was horrific, and and you can say that because you you never do say it. Like Markstrom has been phenomenal all year. It was by far his worst game. Uh, he said after it was awful and he was, he was awful. Like he was terrible. And so that's how it got. Scored. And they weren't that bad. Yeah. In the third period, it got away, but, uh, you know, I, I think they can't get caught up in, in that being a real downer or a suggestion that they've reverted back to their old selves. Um, they got beat on the power play and bad goaltending. And, you know, those things are going to happen against a great team. Like, uh, sorry, a great player like Connor McDavid and, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not going to call them a great team, although they are looking really, really good these days. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, I, it'll be so interesting to see how they respond, you know, this weekend. I do think that – I don't I don't think they're going to be down or they're going to have a bad first period. I think they're going to be just as good as they were the previous three games. Um, and, you know, what I'm watching for tonight is Johnny Gaudreau. And uh, I'm sure that was going to be one of your next questions, but we, we just got – off the Zoom call about an hour and a half ago with him and Sean Monaghan. And, you know, Monaghan and Gaudreau are both steadfastly saying that they've not been asked to change their style or their approach or their game. But that's complete BS. You can see what, especially that line more than anyone, their job is to not turn it over in the neutral zone, which means just dump and chase. Johnny Gaudreau is not a dump and chase type of player. And I asked him whether or not he was comfortable with this new role which he again claims is not a new role, but either way, this is his exact quote, whether I'm comfortable with it or not, that's our team and that's our system right now. That tells you what you need to know. He's not comfortable with it, but he can't complain. Uh, he, as he went on to say, you need to adapt. Doesn't matter what coach you're playing for. You need to follow his instruction. You got to play the right way. When Daryl Sutter goes on record and says, and he said it a million times, but we just focused on it last game, that this team doesn't have the firepower, to compete with a lot of the teams in the in the in the north, meaning that they have to play more of a checking team game. Uh, that's a shot across the bow at his top players. It's a it's a a veiled way for him to kind of try to light a fire and say, prove me wrong. And so far, they haven't been able to. Uh, Gaudreau got a goal the other day. It was his first goal in four outings, and um, you know he struggled under Sutter's new checking first system. And, and as he should as he should be expected to, to struggle under a checking-first system. Johnny Gaudreau is not a checker. Um, the, the key is to try and find a role. He has to find a way to contribute, even though he can't play that checking game very effectively. And that's what we're all, we all wondered. And that so far, the early returns are not good. And, uh, and Johnny admitted today that there's a little bit of frustration there. He says, oh, I'm not frustrated at all, but I watched him slam his stick the other day into the, uh, into the water bottles after a shift when they were winning a game 3-1. So even though they were winning, he was still frustrated out there. So we're seeing some interesting signs from Goudreau uh, under this new regime.
1: Uh, yeah, you answered like two of the questions I was going to have after this. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I do. Oh no, it's all good. Um, I, I do want to, to kind of keep going on that that firepower one because that's something we talked about yesterday about how that felt like just as much of a message to the team as it was to any of the the media on the Zoom call, and I, I presume you you take it similarly.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, this is. I watched this when Sutter was the coach before. He's so. Um, everything is calculated, right? Uh, You know, he throws that out there several times. And then that was going to be my first question after the game, which was, is this a perfect example of what you're talking about, you know, with your firepower, not being able to match up. And, you know, it's been so interesting whenever they play Edmonton and Mark Spector is the one who keeps pointing this out and he's bang on with it. You know, when Calgary plays Edmonton and Edmonton wins and they've, you know, won four of the six games this year, It's because Edmonton stars have been better than Calgary stars. And that's a trend that we've seen uh, over the last little while against Edmonton, but also, you know, Sutter's pointing out that that's going to be a trend moving forward. Unless we go to that, you know, grind them down to defense first hockey or more to the point, just don't turn it over in the neutral zone. So it's, I'm so fascinated to see, um, you know, how this evolves because, you know, uh, that's an important line, obviously. And uh, if, if they can't get that line going, they're going to really struggle. Can they compete with any other team's firepower? No. Like even against Winnipeg, I would say that they don't even quite match up with the top stars, um, which is an interesting thing, thing to say because what, two years ago, that, that especially that top line, they were all in the what top 15 or 20 in the league in scoring. And now they've really regressed. And, uh, you know, so Sutter's calling it as he sees it but it's also with a design on trying to get these guys to play better. Uh,
1: another comment that caught some attention was uh, about the, the goaltending with Jacob Markstrom saying that he never pulls the goalie. Um, certainly Jonathan Quick and Mika Kiprasov can attest to how much he can ride a number one goalie. Uh, but how, how did you take those comments that, that seemed to catch some people off guard?
4: Yeah, it's an interesting approach and I, I don't really remember it that far back. I mean, God, it was so rare when Mika Kiprasov had a bad night. Um, That, you know, I don't remember how many times you would ask Jamie McLennan or somebody else to go in and step in for him. Um, But I I don't necessarily agree with it. I guess as a blanket statement, I guess it sends a message to your goalie that, hey, I got your back no matter what. And and I want you to fight your way out of this, even if you're losing 7 1. Um, I I don't necessarily agree with taking a blanket approach like that. Uh, I often disagree with, well, I shouldn't say often. There's a time when it just feels right to me, and I think you got to act on that gut, you know when it feels right to pull a goalie out. And in this case, in this situation, I really think it's important to pull a guy like Markstrom out of a game like that because you need to give David Ridd- Riddick more reps and and continue to try building his confidence. So I disagree with the blanket approach. Um, I think it's it should be you take it on a game by game basis, and especially the other night it should have you should have taken him out and putting Riddick in even for 12. 13 minutes. It still gets him in there, gets his head into the game, gets him used to coming off the bench cold and gives him more and more confidence, hopefully, as he moves forward.
1: Eric Francis, Friday is continuing here on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The fan, I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nult. Eric, a lot of attention on
2: Gaudreau and how would he play under Sutter, and that's, you know, obviously fair. But the other guy that I think a lot of people were very interested in was Matthew Kachuk. And if you look on paper, The numbers are still okay because, you know, thanks to some great outputs against Ottawa and two assists the other night against Edmonton uh, in a game where you pretty much got your doors blown off and congratulations, scored two goals late. But I'm curious why Matthew Kachuk's getting scared of, of all blame here, because I would say in the last, what, seven games, there's only been one of those he's played more than 16 minutes and... I, uh, I haven't been a huge fan of, of number 19's game of late. I don't know if he's injured or banged up or what, but something does not seem right. Am I alone there? Do you agree? Where, where are you at on Matthew
4: Kachoff? No, I, I 100% agree. Something's not right. I mean, I kind of thought, like I think most people thought, that he would flourish under Sutter. Uh, a guy who's basically given the green light to just go and, or not the green light, but the, the nudge to continue hitting everything that moves. Uh, being a relentless four checker. Um, And I think he's continued to do that. Like I watch his hit count every game and it's still pretty high and he's still very engaged as a checker. But what I haven't seen from him for a long time, most of the season is just those dangerous offensive uh, forays. You know, like you, you rarely see him get a really good scoring chance. He's generating most of his points with really, really great setups from behind the net after digging the puck out and he's, you know, he's still a great heads up player, but I, I really think that what's missing are those, are those chances where they're breaking in on a two on one or three on two or, or any sort of situation where he's got a point blank, really good scoring chance. So I a hundred percent agree with you. He can, kind of has escaped the criticism. Um, but you know, over the last four games, there hasn't been a lot of criticism to go around. And I think right. everybody's kind of reserving some of their criticism and find out how these guys settle into the new system. But hundred percent agree. Matthew Kachuk has not been the player that he was last year for the last, you know, I don't know, 20 games. It just it just doesn't look right to me.
2: What do you see in terms of uh, everyone likes to say measuring stick or, or kind of a, a benchmark game, find out where you stand type of attitude against Toronto? Where are you on that and, and what are you watching for tonight? Because, yeah, the first time in four games under Daryl. Uh, it kind of it kind of did not go the way they wanted, and not very often do you see Sutter teams give up seven goals. So
4: what are you watching for tonight, Eric? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the thing that we're all watching for the most is just can they remain consistent? And I, again, I thought they were okay in the first period the other night. Sutter said this. He said we were okay in the first period. We lost the first period, 2-0. Second period, we tied, if not, you know, at one point, it seemed like they were the better team. Uh, and then the third period, they got their doors blown off, as you said. But um You know, consistency has been the big question. They were, for the first nine periods under Daryl Sutter, they they were extremely consistent and persistent. Um, You know, can they put another three periods together like that? That's what I'm kind of watching for. I have no doubt that they will, actually. I really think these guys have bought in to the style of play that uh, he wants them to play. Um, But, you know, again, giveaways have been their bugaboo all year long. And even against Edmonton, I didn't think they were badly outplayed. Uh, but two or three bad giveaways and the pucks in the net every time you do that against Toronto and same thing's going to happen and uh, I don't think by any stretch is the North division the toughest in the league as a matter of fact I think strong arguments can be made that it might be the weakest division in the National Hockey League but that said it's still there's still tons of tough tests maybe that's just because the Flames aren't that great a team Um, you know but Every single night, it seems like there's a tough test unless you're playing Ottawa. And, of course, they made Ottawa look pretty good too. So um, this is a, you know, the Leafs, for sure, you have to include in the league's top five or six. I really believe that. And so it's going to be interesting to see um, if, if any giveaways, if they play it even safer than than they have the last little while uh, because they have to. They just have to be safe. Uh, it could be a real low-scoring game, and that's the way the Flames want it.
2: Final one from me, and that's just kind of on the the last tweak that we've seen Daryl make. Uh, We've seen other coaches, as long as Noah Hannafin's been here, been hesitant to put him on special teams. But Daryl Sutter's come in and and is trying to get more out of Noah Hannafin because I think he sees a lot there. What do you make of Hannafin getting some power play work, and and what have you seen from Noah under Daryl Sutter?
4: Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, the guy's got, what, three goals in his last six games, and I know he went like 44 before that. Uh, without a goal but um, we all know that there's a little more there with that skating ability um, and you know he's got good hands too like it's all there it's just a matter of you know why is not he getting more points it's it's shocking really um, I like that he's trying to get more out of him and put him in uncomfortable situations I think the message for a lot of these guys is be ready doesn't matter who you are but be ready you know I don't think anyone saw that Hannafin was going to start getting power play time I'm not even sure Hannafin saw it coming uh, although they probably talked about it. Um, but I love it. I mean, Rasmus Anderson has been really good this year. And I think, you know, he's handled that power play well, but the numbers for that power play have not been good for quite some time. And I have, you know, I, I have no problem by, you know, reducing the amount of time that Anderson's uh, had on that top power play unit because it's not producing. And I'm not blaming Rasmus Anderson, but you got to switch it up when it's not working. And, I think Hannafin is a really interesting solution and I think people are intrigued to see more and more. As a matter of fact, if the flames ended up falling out of the playoff race, um, you know, I think you're going to see Hannafin nonstop on that power play as this team tries to figure out who who fits best into that role. So Hannafin has been really good of late and I know the coach and everybody gives Tanev all the credit for that. Um, And he probably deserves a ton of it for it because Hannifin's a much different player than he was last year. I mean, do you agree? The guy's just got so much more pop and I think um, confidence than he's ever had before.
2: Yeah. That's yeah all, that's I, what I was going to say, I think the confidence is there. Hey Pete. I mean, from before. Yeah. Um, I don't know if like, cause on the outside, we all talk about how great a skater he is. The fact he was in the league since eighteen nineteen, playing like almost 500 games at the age he already is. And, and that's kind of what everyone focused on. But um, for me, that's, that's the one thing I've noticed here is I think the confidence has been maybe at the highest it's ever been with Noah Hannafin. And I think, you know, not to, not to take it any away from Noah, cause he's done the work himself, but we've talked about this a lot this year, Eric. And, and again, I, I don't want to take anything from Noah, but I, I think the work Chris Tannev has done, you see what he did with Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. I think Chris Tannev has been a great mentor for Noah Hannafin, but again, give Noah credit cause he's done the work himself too.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's a definitely a combination deal. Well, you know, one elevated the other, and uh, it's it's good to see. You know, on the broadcast tonight, I know I'm going to talk a little bit about Brody and Tanev because we're going to see them both head-to-head. You can't measure those guys and their points because Brody hasn't got a whole lot of points in Toronto, but they're thrilled with what he's done there. And, uh, you know, um, the replacement here, Tanev, points are not why you got Chris Tanev. There's so many other intangibles. And so at the end of the day, say who the winner or loser is, both teams won with the change of, of scenery. have coming in here and taking Brody's spot, um, albeit in a different role, it's worked out for the Flames and Brody going to Toronto's worked out, so that's kind of a happy ending for both guys.
1: Uh, last one from me, Eric. The uh, the trade deadline now less than a month away. Uh, aside from uh, a Sam Bennett request that feels like it was about eight years ago with everything that's gone on here, um, it's been pretty quiet on the rumor mill from the, the Flames side of things. Do you anticipate uh, a pretty quiet trade deadline season here in Calgary?
4: Yeah, I certainly do. And I don't, I've been on record from day one saying I don't think they're going to trade Sam Bennett. I still don't think they're going to trade Sam Bennett, but that's not going to prevent Every single media outlet from putting them on their trade board as one of their top 10 guys who are going to get moved on deadline day. Can't see it happening. Now, all that said, and to answer your question even more broadly, like it, a lot depends on what the Calgary Flames do in the next couple weeks. I mean, they may play themselves out of a playoff spot. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, you know, if they do that, then, you, then the GM has a completely different hat he's wearing at, at trade deadline. Maybe he sells off an asset or two. I can't see that happening. Uh, But again, uh, right now, assuming they stay in the race, um, I, 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 you know, he doesn't like rentals. I don't think, uh, you know, you got to keep the Seattle expansion draft in mind when you're making any sort of moves, Uh, you got cap issues, you got quarantine issues, you got border issues. I just don't see it. I, I don't. And plus you guys tell me, I guess here's the bigger question. What's the glaring need in Calgary? I mean, they, yeah, maybe they need more firepower like a superstar, but you're not getting that at the trade deadline. Like, I don't know what the glaring need is. Obviously, they need to be better for sure, but where is the glaring need? Is it that Brett Ritchie spot alongside Gaudreau and Monaghan? Good luck finding a, a fit there. They've been trying forever to get a fit there. It's only happened twice where it's worked out with somebody. I, I just don't know what you identify as your glaring, overwhelming need that you need to sacrifice some of your future to address that need. Now I, I just can't see it happening.
1: Yeah. For, for me, the biggest need is uh right wing top six, but to, to your point uh, that those don't just grow on trees. That could be a, a difficult thing to pick up in a deadline deal.
4: Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And so same, you agree with me that you might, you know, yeah. Brett Ritchie, I actually think he's been the better player on that line. Most nights. I, I actually think that and it's a hell of an indictment on McGudrow and Monahan, but you know, he's out there doing the work. Um, but, but yeah, ideally, you don't want a plugger on your top six. So uh, mm-hmm. but what what price do you have to pay to replace him? And, and is there any guarantee that whoever you bring in is going to fit in with Goudreau and Monaghan? Nine out of ten uh, wingers in, <laughs> who've tried uh, don't work with Monahan and Goudreau. So it'll be interesting.
1: Eric, awesome as always, man. Thanks for this. We'll chat next week.
4: Cheers, boys. Have a great weekend.
1: You as well. There is uh, Eric Francis and another edition of Eric Francis Fridays in the book, uh, in the books, sorry, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to 15 grand on a 2020 Q50 executive demo during the 2020 clear out event Hyatt Infinity Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. A quick break and then we'll be back to wrap up Hockey Central at noon after this.